They said, What sign do you show us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. And the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. See, they would ultimately kill Jesus, but he would rise on the third day. That's what he was speaking of here. And Herod's temple, yes, it took a while to build. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Anyone who drove merchants out of the temple courts claimed the authority to do it. The Jews wanted to know if Jesus really had that authority. The problem is, they demanded a sign from Jesus to prove it. Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Jesus spoke here of the temple of his body. He probably even gestured to himself as he said this. Jesus knew that these religious leaders would attempt to destroy his body, but he also knew that they would not succeed. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Me up. It just, the zeal for, his, for the Father's house, where it should have been a house of prayer, it should have been a house of worship, but now it had become a den of thieves. It had become a house of merchandise. It had become Walmart of the Middle East. If you remember, Manasseh was one of the worst kings of Judah. One of the worst kings of Judah. He reigned for 55 years in Jerusalem, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He built high places that, his, his, uh, that Hezekiah, his son, had torn down. He raised up altars to, for Baal, which was a false prophet or a false uh, deity. He made a wooden image to Asherah, a, a female deity, a female goddess. He worshipped all the hosts of heaven, built altars for them. He made his son pass through the fire as an act of worship. He sacrificed his son to Molech in the fires of Molech as he would hold him. That's what he did. Well, what a worship service that must have been. He consulted spiritists and mediums and practiced soothsaying and witchcraft, but his grandson... His grandson, Josiah, we know Josiah. What a wonderful man he was, a reformer king. He comes on the scene, and he undoes everything that his wicked father had done. He undoes it all. He took away the shrines of the high places. He took away the altars. He burned the images. He cleaned the house. And in fact, while they were cleaning the house, they found a copy of the law. Probably had dust on it, probably had Led Zeppelin records stacked over the top of it. 
Finally, he, the, 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 the book of the law is found, and Josiah reads that, and he is so convicted. He, he tears his clothes, and as a result of what he saw, God had forewarned and told them, and how far they had gone, he said, you know what, enough is enough. He cleansed the temple, Josiah did. He had all the priests, everyone active, we're going to do this together, and we're going to clean this house. And he did. He cleansed the house of the Lord, and he took away all the idols, all the high places, all the stuff. And let me ask you, is there stuff in your life that needs to go? Is there a cleaning of house that needs to happen in your home and in your heart? Because, see, if we don't come away with that, we will miss the entire point of, of this whole message this morning. Jesus cleansed the temple because it needed to be cleansed. Over time, corruption began to creep in and creep in and creep in. He did it the first time. Three years later, it's all back again. It's even better, more improved, shinier, better, bigger. And he's got to go in and do it again. Maybe some of us this morning need to take inventory of our own hearts, our own families, and look at the movies that we watch. Take a look at the music that we're listening to. Taking a look internally and say, Lord, what is my attitude about worship? What is my attitude? Where is it gone? How far have I strayed from that? It's a good thing to ask. It's a good thing to ask. Why? Because the Lord loves you. He's got a great plan for you. You may not know it now. Maybe you do. Maybe you have an inkling of what God wants to do. He's got a great plan for your life. And there's no greater life than a life that is surrendered to Jesus Christ. I have never been so blessed and so even even happy, okay? Happiness kind of comes and goes, doesn't it? But I'm even happy and I'm blessed because of who he's made me and what he's doing. He's making me. He's still doing it. He's still doing it with you too. We're all the same. He's making us. He's, He's building a church. It's a beautiful thing if we'd accept it. If we would read his word, take him for his word, and say, Lord, search me. Take that wonderful million power candlelight flashlight, and I'll open my, open my mouth wide, and Lord, you shine down, and you look down in every little dark area of my heart. Anything that's dark, God, you clean it out. And help me to do the same. Help me to take initiative. The Spirit of God is there to encourage you to do those things. I don't know about you, but show of hands, how many of you believe that we live in a perverse and corrupt culture? Okay. Yeah, we do. We need the Lord. We need Jesus. And you know how the world is going to see him? He's going to see him through you. What are we doing? How is our worship? What are we doing? Is my life, do I got a smile on my heart? Am I going to pull myself out of the doldrums of 2020? Is that going to define my whole Christian experience from here going forward? Oh, COVID. Here's my worship. No. Far from it. Worship Jesus. Get to know him. Let him love you. Be blessed. 
So verse 18, the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show us? They're always looking for a sign. Show us a sign. We want to be entertained, Jesus. Remember Herod? Herod wanted to see him because he wanted to see a miracle done by him. He wanted to be entertained. He's sitting there in his little palace with, he's got his little, you know, uh, ice tea with a little umbrella and he's got, you know, female servants fanning him. You know, I would like to see Jesus. Jesus, could you come and do a a magic trick for me? We've got a, a deck of cards here. Let me pull a card out. Herod wanted to be entertained. They said, what sign do you show us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. And the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. See, they would ultimately kill Jesus, but he would rise on the third day. That's what he was speaking of here. And Herod's temple, yes, it took a while to build. Herod the Great was a great architect, and he took Zerubbabel's temple, which was the temple that the children of Israel began to rebuild after they came back from their 70-year captivity from Babylon. Remember, and they called it Zerubbabel's temple. It wasn't as glorious as Solomon's temple. And so they lived with that temple for a few hundred years until finally Herod the Great says, you know what, I'm going to do a favor for the Jews. And I'm going to build them. I'm going to expand this Temple Mount complex. And I'm going to build great buildings. And he did. And and they loved him for it. It became, again, the seventh wonder of the world. But it took. You know, he started in the venture in 20 B.C. And it took to about 26 or 27 A.D. to finish the project. And even then, it wasn't completely done until around 63 A.D. Seven years before it would ultimately be destroyed by the Romans. But God is very concerned about us. If he's concerned about the earthly temple, how concerned is he about us? What does it say in 1 Corinthians 3? Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And if that is the truth, then I've got some house cleaning to do. i got some things to pray about, some things to consider, right? If I'm the temple of the living God, what am I doing to that temple? I've got my opportunities, and I know you do too. I could be eating a lot better. I could be exercising this temple, which I need to do, by the way. I need to lose about 30 pounds of that temple. But what does it say in Colossians? I love what it says in Colossians chapter 3. Paul says to them, If then you were raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden in Christ. And this verse here, for those of you who are getting baptized this morning, this is really important because this is exactly what we're doing. As you have confessed Christ in your own life and you're born again, he says, as a result of that, as a result of his crucifixion, you died in Christ. And, as a result, and when he rose again on the third day, so you too also rise to newness of life. Notice what he says in verse 3. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ, in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, as a result of that, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness. 
passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, by the way. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself also walked and once lived in them. But now you yourselves are also to put off these. Notice, it's like taking off a garment. Put off these things. Put off these things. Put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. I used to have a filthy language or filthy mouth before I came to Christ, and that was one of the first things he took. There were other things that lingered. I wish he would have taken everything, but I'm not a perfect, and I know you're not either. But he took my filthy, rotten mouth out of me immediately. It's like I had the Holy Spirit at my mouth, and everything that came out, I was like, wow. I was aware of every word I spoke. And I love that. I'm very thankful for that. Because he's changed me. And he's changing me as he's doing that for you too. But put off these things. And do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man and his deeds. And have put on what? You put, on, you put off something to put on something. You put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, whether there is Jew or Greek or Scythian, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, doesn't matter. Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Notice, put it on. How do I do that? How can I put it on? Well, very simply, you, you get into the word of God and you pray every, every morning and be in communication with God all throughout the day. And say, Lord, what I'm reading here in my lap is not for somebody else. I can share it with somebody else, but it's first for me. Be first partaker of the word of God. Let it take a hold of you. Even if it's only one verse, take a verse and digest it. Think about it. Pray about it. And say, Lord, I want this to become true in my life today in every possible way. And you know what? You do that. And you're going to be walking with him in your life will be blessed. You will be blessed. Don't do what all your friends are doing. They're just following the, their own feelings. Ah, I feel like doing this. I feel like doing that. I'm going to go smoke. I'm going to drink. I'm going to hang out. And I'm going to sleep with this person, whatever. You know, they, they do all this stuff. Is that, is that really freedom? Sounds like slavery to me. Because that's what the devil wants to do is enslave. But you put on Christ. You put on Christ. Put him on. The new man. And rejoice forevermore. Rejoice. In verse 22 of our text this morning, it says, Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, notice his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Remember that the Jesus' disciples were growing just like you and I. You remember, I mean, Jesus spending time with Peter for three and a half years. He was with him every single day. And yet what happened at the very end of Jesus' life? Peter, he denied him three times. The other disciples took off. They were growing in their understanding. They were fearful. They, they didn't have it all together. I, I like that because I feel that way too. Anybody follow? I don't feel like I have it all together all the time. And when I read passages like this, I think we're in pretty good company. Because the disciples were there too. They didn't remember. Until after his resurrection, then they remembered. Then they remembered. And much of the time they remembered things after. We're not going to go into these scriptures too much here, but 
Jesus, um, you know, the disciples remembered certain things after, after the fact. And um, we'll just look at one of these. In John 12, after the triumphal entry of Jesus on what we call Palm Sunday, it says, His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, meaning when he was resurrected, then they remembered that these things were written about him. So their understanding, just like us, was growing. And I love that. I like to grow. Do you like to grow? I really do. I enjoy learning and I enjoy growing because I don't want to be the same. You know, you want your life to be exciting? Give your heart completely to Christ and follow him. You'll never have a boring day. you never be bored. Because he's doing something new in your heart every single day. And he does it. And I love it. Do you want that? I don't know, do you? Yeah, I want that. Verse 23 in our text says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw... When they saw the signs which he did. Seeing is not necessarily believing. Some people have seen a lot and yet it didn't change their heart. There were many people who saw what happened on the cross and they were unaffected by it. So seeing is not believing. But I believe that believing is seeing. It's the other way around. You believe and then you'll see. But if you're waiting for a sign and then you'll believe, chances are you're not going to believe either. You need to give your heart to Christ. I love what he says in Matthew. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. He also said to them, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. That's all of us, by the way. Because they saw him physically, and they struggled in their belief. I'm kind of glad that I didn't see Jesus in the flesh. Because I probably would have tried to size him up as a man. And it would have stumbled me. But I don't think of him that way. Because the only description the Bible gives me is his glorified state in the book of Revelation and in a couple places in Isaiah or in Ezekiel. I, I get an idea of his glorified state, and that's what, where my worship begins. Right? Because I'm not seeing a man. I'm not looking for a man. I'm looking for the holy God of all creation, Jesus. Love that about him. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's all of us. But Jesus, verse 24, did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. He knew all men. He knows all things. We can't hoodwink him. Because he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, he knows what's going to happen. I would encourage you to read Psalm 139. It's my favorite psalm. It speaks of God's omnipresence, that he's everywhere. He's not only everywhere all at once, but he's also all-knowing. He can't learn anything. Read Psalm 139. It'll blow you, blow you away. The fact that he knows what I'm going to speak tomorrow, that may scare some of you. But he knows what you're going to speak tomorrow. At 12.01 in the afternoon, he's like, you're going to say this word. I'll be like, really? I know it because I've already seen it. That's who we're dealing with. He's not a man-made God. He's the God of creation. Amen? 
And he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. In man, left in and of himself, there's no good thing. What does it tell us in, um, uh, in Romans? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jeremiah tells us something even more encouraging, and that's this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And God answers that question. He says, I, the Lord, know the heart of man. I'm the one who tries the reins to give everyone according to his deeds. He knows. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. But they've all turned aside. They have all together become corrupt. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Sorry if that hurts your self-esteem. But that's the truth. Jesus knew what was in man, nothing. But a man and a woman is someone he can fill. Are you filled with the Spirit of God this morning? Do you have the Spirit of God indwelling you? Do you know that God wants to even do a greater work by coming upon you and empowering you to be a witness for him in these last days? To be vocal? He does. He wants to use your life. And he wants to cleanse Will you take that seriously today? I'm going to take it seriously. Examine your life, my brothers and sisters, today, all this week, and really think about this passage, about Jesus cleansing the temple. It needed to be cleansed, and my heart needs to be cleansed. And I would imagine, because we are the same, that your heart as well needs to be cleansed. And why? Because he loves you. That's, that's as simple as it is. That's why he wants you to be cleansed. Because he has a better plan. And a cleansed life is a blessed life. I know this because I'm going through it right now. We're being transformed to the image of Christ, right? We're being sanctified daily. Set apart daily. I'm choosing to take those things in my life and just go, I'm done with that, done with that. I hated that to begin with. I'm easily get rid of that. Oh, I like this though going to hang on to it like a teddy bear. I like this thing. And the Lord's going, okay, Rob, you know it's bad. You know it's not. You know it's sinful. But, Lord, I like it. He's like, it's going to destroy you. Mm, I don't think so, Lord. I can do it better than anybody else. I can get away with it. And he's like, oh, really? Okay, see in a couple years after you've corrupted yourself with that thing. And then two years goes by and I come back and I'm in the gutter. Didn't I tell you about that one? Oh, yeah, you did, Lord. <laughs> Okay, I'm done with it. And then you take it and you throw it away. And he's like, great. Sorry you had to go through the school of hard knocks for that one. But let the Lord clean house today. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this passage. We thank you, Lord, that you, you care for the physical things. Lord, we think of the, the center of worship there in Jerusalem at the temple, Lord, you cared for that because it was something that was directly affecting people's worship of you, Lord. And, and Lord, your desire was to minister to people and to have them have a right relationship with you. Lord, this morning we want the same thing. We would ask you to search us, Jesus. Search us, Holy Spirit. If there's any unclean thing, like David said, I believe it was in Psalm 51, 
Lord, cleanse me, Lord. Create in me a clean heart. See if there's any wicked way in me, and then lead me in the way of everlasting. Lord, may that be true of each of us this morning. Lord, how we love you, and how we thank you for the encouragement that you bring us, even though sometimes it can be hard. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.